Well, hello, everybody. It's Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Hi, Dell Shores. Hello, Emerson Collins. We, we actually haven't seen each other or talked to each other today. I know. We've been doing things. We, On today's show, we are going to get to the SAG and Golden Globe nominations, Walking Wild Trans, New Lady Jew, Fo Lady J, Lady G. Did you hear me say Lady Jew? Like that was the thing I was going to talk about some woman. Lady G for outrage. Country star TJ Osborne coming out. Dolly Parton, black LGBTQ leaders. Trixie Mattel bought a bar. And American Girl dolls, lesbian ants causing controversy. There you go. Lots of things. I know, y'all, some days we've talked all day long, and today we hadn't. It's been email only. Are you all right on this Friday, Del Shores? <laughs> yes, I'm all right. I did go on a... Uh... One of my hikes talked a little about, a, you know, about a, a rat and, um, uh, you know, some memories. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit down. I just, you know, I told you I had like this bad medical news yesterday. I have these bum shoulders and my doctor goes, says, well, we, this is what you don't want to hear. We've run out of options. <laughs> so, um, but it's, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's uh, my, my shoulders are terminal. They're going to have to replace both of them. So. Like, well, I mean, and we have to do that. You know, it's really important because I need you to be able to shimmy. It's well, there's no shimmying. This one, this is about as much as I can get. So um, I'm sure we have people watching who have had similar experiences. And but that, that is intense news and certainly, you know, impacts like your plan for your life. Yeah, but you know it's a good time to do things like that. I was just uh, I, I was I was uh, sending Betty Buckley actually just had it done, and so I said, "How was it?" She goes, "It was amazing. I feel, I'm so glad I did it." So, anyway, that, enough of that. Enough of the medical shit. Let's uh, let's. Well, but that's all right. We have our you know in our things. You know, we've had some good stuff this week, but I've still been very malazy. That's what I'm calling it when I have malaise, and so I don't do anything. I'm being malazy. It's like I can blame the fact that I didn't do anything on vague anxiety depression. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe you could coin that. Maybe you'll be. Maybe you'll make the dictionary, like you know, like they do sometimes. I with, just came up with it right here on the spot. Emerson, just, your mind astounds me. Oh, uh, but but it does. You know, the afternoon, early evenings have been weird. I don't know if anybody else at home experiences this. When I'm feeling anxiety, the late afternoon, early evening will be like when I feel it the most Me and too. then late, late at night, you know, from like midnight to 4 a.m., I feel the best that I feel in the whole day. And I've realized it's because my brain knows everybody else is asleep. So no one can ask me for anything. No one can need anything. I can't, I'm not missing something. I, there won't be some crisis occur. And so it becomes a self repeating process because I stay up really late, then I don't want to get up in the morning. Then I feel guilty that I didn't get up in the morning. Then I hurry to do a bunch of things. So I feel like I did something Then the afternoon is full of anxiety. Then I eat dinner and then I feel good again late at night because no one can eat anything. You know, it's a cycle. Well, I I know what it's, it's like somebody was telling me, I think I've mentioned this before on the show where there is this uh, thing that's kind of like Alzheimer's and it's called uh, sundowners. And uh -huh. And old people go crazy at night. And there, there's a little bit of, not that, not that I'm going crazier, but I do feel like the loneliness and the COVID fatigue 
in the evenings and it's like, oh goodness, what am I going to watch? And I'm going to, oh, I, you know, I, I can't watch anything dark tonight. I can't do anything depressing. And then of course I watched Lazy Susan last night and that didn't even make me happy. <laughs> Sean, Sean Hayes being this the laziest woman alive. Yeah. <laughs> so silly. It's funny that you say that because it transitions for me right into our first big discussion. So y'all, look, we're not even starting with politics or crap in the world. We're just doing, uh, we're going to start with the Golden Globe and SAG nominations. But here, so everybody that looked at them, what did you think? Are your favorites nominated? Have you seen the stuff that's nominated? TV, movie, any categories, free for all comment. But I will say in looking at the nominations, my big problem is I haven't seen any of the drama movies because this whole last year, I have not been in the mood in the evening after like feeling anxiety or with the pandemic and all of the election stuff and the crisis in our culture to like sit down and watch people that were miserable. Maybe that's why I'm so depressed because I have seen a lot of them. <laughs> it's like, I go, oh yeah, I've seen that one. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. I can't, I realized I've seen almost everything in every TV category, but like the films. So while y'all are commenting, since what we do here is LGBTQ news and nonsense, some uh, highlights for our community at the Golden Globes and the SAG Awards, Schitt's Creek, all four actors nominated and the show nominated. Finally, good. At the Golden Globes, Picture the Prom was nominated. James Corden as the straight guy that upset a lot of people was the only cast member nominated. Uh, the TV drama, Sarah Paulson and Cynthia Nixon both nominated for Ratchet, Lovecraft Country, uh, Jim Parsons for Hollywood, The Flight Attendant, The Queen's Gambit with Anya Taylor-Joy, Ma Rainey, of course, Viola Davis. Um, so there is lots of queer characters and actors uh, represented. Um, there's also Andrew Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday, Jodie Foster, best uh, animated onward for that, you know, gay moment. Best picture, two uh, foreign language, two of them at LGBTQ Productions, The Life Ahead and Two of Us with three women nominated in Best Director. First time ever that the majority of the director nominees are women, two of them women of color. Love it. So, uh, was there any standouts for you? Um, well, since you haven't seen a lot of the dramas, uh, yeah. I one of my favorite movies so far this year, uh, uh, two actually, uh, Nomadland with, with the, the crazy, performance of Frances McDormand. And I really thought that Chloe, Chloe I don't know how to say it, Zayo, Zayo, uh, the, who wrote and, and directed it, just deserved yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. It, it was so brilliant. It was just so brilliant because she, she basically uh, took real testimonies and then let them s tell them in her own work and words and then wrote the dialogue for Frances and Anyway, I, I highly recommend that. Uh, I loved, loved, loved um, uh, One Night in Miami. Uh, I just thought every performance was brilliant. It was like watching a great theater. Uh, and it came from theater. So I maybe right. that's why I responded so much. But all of the, all of the, um, the, the characters. And, and then uh, the one that I was so happy that got nominated was Vanessa Kirby for uh, Pieces of a Woman. Uh, and, and, and did Ellison, Ellen Burstyn got a nomination, didn't she, for supporting? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think she did. Th those perform, but it's very, very dark, y'all. So if you're down. Like, I, I, and I love her. Like I became obsessed with her on The Crown, which yes. by the way, 
all five actors from The Crown nominated for both sets of awards. Uh, but I became obsessed with her on that. We watched a uh, recording of her and Gillian Anderson doing Streetcar in London. I love her, but I got to tell you, it will be so long before I can watch that movie. That's on that list of like, it's, I just cannot sit and like sob for this woman for two hours. I do not have it in my spirit. It, right it's got wrenching. But but I was so happy that all the all five leads of the crowd got nominated because it was my favorite binge of the pandemic. I had and you I all the way up. What's that? Were you caught all the way up? You got all, all the way up. up. Yes, yeah. I'm ready for season five. I'm just ready. Well, uh, and, and so and if we switch over to the SAG Awards, it's interesting where these two bodies differ, right? Because the Golden Globes definitely goes celebrity focused a little bit. And in the SAG Awards, there's a huge difference in the casts, which is their Best Picture nominees versus the Golden Globes. The Five Bloods, Ma Rainey, Minari, which is an American film about Asian people, but that the Golden Globes decided didn't count, which was really a big deal, gets a lot of play from the SAG Awards. Stephen Nguyen as leading actor and Yeon Yu Jong as supporting actress. Um, and also One Night in Miami and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, they added Bridgerton and Reggie Jean Page, and the big one for a lot of people was Michaela Cole and the limited series, I May Destroy You, uh, about the experience of dealing with the trauma of a sexual assault um, that, they, that they felt really was acknowledged there. And then the fun one to me is David Diggs is nominated for Hamilton at the SAG Awards and Lin-Manuel Miranda is nominated at the Golden Globe Awards. And Leslie Odom, who won the Tony, is nominated instead for One Night in Miami. Like the Hamilton cast doing well, but it's interesting where they- uh, he One Night in Miami. I, I just felt like every actor should have been nominated. It was just, uh, uh, it was really, really stunning work. Uh, they did get nominated for Ensemble though, didn't they? I think they did, which I yeah. love that award. I love the Ensemble Award. Yeah. Well, you know, of course, it's the actor's version of Best Picture, and it acknowledges that it takes everyone's great work uh, to make a picture soar. And then finally, one trivia I found, female in a drama at the SAG Awards is entirely made up of The Crown and Ozark. No other shows nominated. That, that from was Crown, Two from Ozark. And see where it lands. Oh, by the way, I don't know if people know this, Emerson, but I did notice, you know, that uh, Audra uh, Audra Day got nominated for Billie Holiday, which I guess is not out yet. But Leslie Jordan has a really fun role in that uh, in that movie. Is am I supposed to share that clip, or are we supposed to wait? Is that out? Oh, I think it's out. I don't okay. think there's an issue. Well, y'all enjoy. It. Wait, so we have a, a this clip. I'm not kidding. I thought this was a parody clip. This right here. Okay. Make sure. No, it's out. Okay. Um, well then enjoy. Can tell me if you can hear this. And her freedom for civil rights. Why is the government always after you? My song, Strange Fruit. It reminds them that they're killing us. Here is Do you hope that this changes how people see Billy Hall? Ah, look yeah. at him. He said, he said the wig they had him in. 
rifled Sissy Hickey. In fact, he sent me that video and he said, please send this to Beth Grant and tell her my win win, my wig wins. Oh, he's wrong. <laughs> it's a good wig, but it does not compare to Sissy. All right, I asked, let's get to some of y'all's comment. Mike felt Bridgestone was snubbed, which of course recognized at the SAG Awards. Happy for Shit's Creek. Uh, John, Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman, awesome. And Chadwick nominated for two awards at the SAG Awards. So Xana, uh, they need to bump up more entries per category. Five nominees is too few with so many great content. Seven makes sense. I mean, yes, look, it becomes apples and oranges when you're uh, recognizing work and so many things go into that. Well, it's interesting that the SAG Awards, they don't divide them also. The SAG Awards do not divide into best supporting and best uh, actress and best supporting actor and best supporting actor. They combine them. So there are very few nominations that can be, can be that can be obtained. I know it's like, it's great that they do because like everyone contributes, but the point of like the divisions also means more people can get nominated. Cause look, there's been discussion in Asia Kate Dillon. What do you do with non-binary actors? You know, is it just one category? But then there's only two actors that get awarded every year. So like some division helps us celebrate uh, more. Ma Rainey's was kind of a downer. Well, yes, it was not the most uplifting movie, Judy. It's not a comedy. <laughs> but it was brilliant. Uh, but also, look, it's nice to have, you know, something uh, to talk about uh, that isn't the issues of the day. But of course, there are many. So uh, we will, of course, have the awards as they come up. The WJ nominations came out and the Oscars will be on their way in this very strange year. But I got to be honest, it's fun to take a moment and think about something not important. Well, you the know, art is important, but how you recognize it is just silly. It's successful and rich artists giving each other trophies. So it's a silly, fun chat. And you know I love awards. I mean, I, I not not to get them, but I, I mean, of course, I like to get them. But I I love award shows. I mean, I just live for them. I just love them so much. I know. I was about to say, you know, who says I don't really care about awards? People who don't get them. <laughs> I don't care about. Well, it's well. Sometimes that's that could be the truth. I mean, it is a great way to respond to not getting them, but of course, it's not why we do it. But I do, I do like awards. I mean, when I get nominated for an award or when I win an award, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. All right. All right, moving on. In news stuff, just some fun visibility celebration. Wanted to share this photo uh, from the swearing in of Secretary Mayor Pete <laughs> standing with Chasten. And of course, VP Kamala Harris uh, is who swore him in, which was very exciting. I did want to note as we do this that there are only 13 senators voted against the confirmation of Pete Buttigieg as Secretary Mayor Pete. And they included a rogues gallery of our favorite bigots, including Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Tommy Tuberville, that football coach that replaced Doug Jones in Alabama, and Josh Hawley, who's voted against every single cabinet member. Now, among that group, a number of people likely vying for the 2024 uh, Republican nomination, and I guess they want to be able to say that they didn't help get anything done ever. What a bunch of motherfuckers. I just like, I just can't get over it. I mean, like, really, let's just like, let's just say, I am a bigot, y'all. I am yep. a despicable human being. It's it's crazy, that, that little group. A lot shorter ways to say that. And then over at State Department, Ned Price, a former CIA 
uh, officer and the first openly gay man named spokesperson for the U.S. Department of State did his first TV briefing on Tuesday. Price said prior to the briefing, the point that President Biden himself has made is that we need a national security workforce that looks like the country we represent. And that's especially important for the Department of State that's speaking to the rest of the world, both in our word and deed, our values of inclusiveness and strength and diversity will be on full display. Representation matters. And you can see that again in the big uh, uh, statement that they put out last night about making LGBTQI issues, people, asylum seekers here and around the world a priority for the State Department and this administration. Now action has to follow that, but it definitely makes clear that our community is a priority both here and abroad as the Biden administration works to lead on human rights and civil rights and put actions to make it not seem hypocritical. Yes, yes, yes. And um, we got some grand old bigots. I love that. Um, we, we have some Dolly Parton news. I think uh, many of you probably saw this, that she turned down the Medal of Freedom from Trump twice. Now, she says that she couldn't accept it. This is what she says. Uh -huh. Because of my husband being ill. And then they asked me again. I just wouldn't travel because of the COVID. I love the, the in the quote it says the COVID. The COVID. Yep. Uh, uh, so Biden's team now has reached out to her, and she says, "Now I feel if I take it, I'm going to be doing politics, but uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't work for those awards. It'd be nice, but I'm not sure that I even deserve it. But it's a nice compliment for people to think that I might deserve it. So um, um, she's going to take the award, y'all. It's gonna it's gonna happen. I love it." Because I love that there's a good excuse. You know, we've talked about Dolly walking the line in the center as one of the only people that manages to still unite the country around anything, and yet also not, as she makes things clear. Um, but I love that, like, oh, I just couldn't. You could have worked it out. We know you could have worked it out. Carl was sick. Uh-huh. They're like that husband that nobody's seen since like 1972. Uh, <laughs> doing well. Stop it. Robert said Dolly didn't want Trump grabbing titties. I feel like Dolly's more than capable of handling those hands. I feel like I years, she's gotten real good at dodging or chest bumping people back. Just saying, I, I would not want to get chest checked by Dolly Parton. <laughs> right. Ken said, Dolly is too nice to tell the truth. It <laughs> is true. You know, it's like, but I'm going to go ahead and keep reading between the lines that look, when Miley Cyrus is like your faux adopted granddaughter and the work that you've done and spending a million dollars to make sure we had the vaccine for the COVID and doing little things, you know, like making sure people have books to read. That's real liberal. Yeah. It, uh, it's what I like to say when people say, you're just a bleeding heart liberal. And I go, so I have a bleeding heart that is giving. Yeah. I'll take that. I'm good with that. I'm yeah. good with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've said before, I'm a liberal because I'm lazy. You know, some of the good kind of conservatives say, it's not that we don't think people should be taken care of. We just think it should be in the community. And I have said before, and I'll say it again, I don't want to do a barn raising for somebody because a, a, a hurricane hit it. I want to be able to pay my money to somebody else and they write them a check to fix it so I can lay on my couch and watch TV. Good for you. Uh, it, yes, it's me. Is that, what, is that what you were? Yeah, it's you, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and so in continuing... Con really wanting to focus and pay attention on what's happening in the trans community at local levels and state levels and the attacks that are being made uh, by the conservatives that have lost power in the federal government. 
In New York this week, an exciting accomplishment, they repealed what is referred to as the walking while trans law. It was introduced in 1976 as a law against loitering for the purpose of prostitution. But in reality, it became a law used to criminalize trans women's behavior disproportionately for innocent lawful conduct because of their appearance, like wearing a short skirt and high heels while standing outside, being a woman with an Adam's ample, or big hands and feet, waving at a car, or walking home from the subway, or grocery store just looking a certain way. For many, many years, legal aid have defended many trans women and from this law, and sex workers and trans activists have been calling for its repeal for a long time. So that was a very exciting success in New York. Now on the flip side, this week, uh, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona was doing his confirmation hearing and Rand Paul went on a transphobic rant that we are going to keep hearing, saying that trans female athletes will destroy girls' athletics. He referred to them as boys. Harden reiterated in the moment he would protect the rights of all students, including uh, trans women athletes. And this is important because this is one of the issues, like the way the trans bathroom thing was a couple of years ago, uh, cultural bigots, religious extremists have, have grabbed a hold of fear-mongering surrounding high school trans female athletes as a way to attack the trans community. Rand Paul went on this rant and he talked about how some six foot two boy shouldn't be able to compete against his five foot four niece. At the very baseline level, trans people immediately pointed out and cis women <laughs> pointed out, there are cis women that are six two. So you're just being insulting to cis women bigoted to trans women by ascribing certain physical characteristics as being inherently not female, not womanly. Does that make sense? It's like, yes. oh, you have advantages because of dot, dot, dot. I read somewhere once, and I, and I will try to find it because I want to be able to share this, that there is more variety in the full range of women than there is difference between the median woman and man. So meaning that the, the, the types, sizes, physicalities, genetics of women have a much wider range than even the difference between men and women. And it's insulting to many cis women to also use that line of attack to say that there's a reason that trans adolescent women uh, can't participate in physical activity. So we're going to hear that a lot. Um, and it's an issue we really want to watch. I feel like my, my mic is echoing weird. Uh, Rand Paul has become such an asshole. Uh, it's like there were, yesterday there was this big brouhaha on the Senate floor. He, wa he was, wasn't wearing a mask. So uh, they, they called him out. And, uh, it, and if you remember, this is the kind of human being he is. He, he tested positive. He's had COVID. And while he, was, he had been exposed to COVID and knowing he had been exposed, waiting for a test, he went and used the facilities, the locker room and the swimming pool where his fellow senators uh, swam, exposing all of them and then tested positive. He is a selfish asshole. Yeah. Nth degree. I, I just cannot stand him. He is on my top five of I can't stand you. Um, absolutely. And Leanne says, I'm 5'11 and not too many men could compete with her in volleyball back in the day. Like invalidating the range of women, cis and trans, uh, for your particular expectation that a woman should be and behave a certain way 
reinforces absurd ideas about what it means to be a woman, how you define a woman, how a woman should behave. Like it's just stereotypical gender roles and behavior uh, is absurd. It is absurd. And, and it's really ultimately, and the point here is it's harmful. And you know, trans people are a small percentage of our country. And so it's really important that we all stand up so that they cannot be used as scapegoats for fear mongering from these bigots. I just had this visual, this visual, I just had this visual that that someone like Leslie Jordan stands up and goes, what's your point? <laughs> when, when you state the height. But, but that's exactly right, right? If you stand Leslie Jordan next to LeBron James, you know, this 4'11 man and this seven foot man and say, this is the range, this is the range and more of how men can be. Women, it's certainly the same way. And so then to act, like women outside of your narrow perspective of what is and defines a woman uh, is absurd on its face, even separate from the conversation about trans people. In fact, I have an joke in one of my stand-up. He could go up on him. Uh, <laughs> Good. Jared said, my sis sister is a record-setting power lifter. Our whole family are stocky, weirdly strong people, LOL. Right? It's like when you get, we're not talking about elite level where like we're talking like, high school we're talking about students learning and physical activity and like they're supposed to be at school to get education anyway um all right well we all right have, uh, you know i have not said this word in a long time but i'll get to say it today because it's a news story um right-wing uh media is currently they're just mad oh they're so upset over a tweet from uh, press Sarah, uh, secretary uh jen uh Saki last year when where she said only in 2020 does Lady G, hashtag Lady G, get to push a bunch of debunked conspiracy theories while questioning Sally Yates, a.k.a. an American hero. Well, as y'all know, if you don't know, uh, Lady G has become a hashtag for uh, Lindsey Graham. And, uh, you know, OK, I, I, I used it for a while, too. And then someone called me out and said I was, you know, misgendering Lindsey because I'd call Lindsey Graham, Miss Lindsey, and 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 I said, okay, I'm not, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. But now conservatives, they're just running with it. They're just like Newsmax editor Curtis Hawk said, because he's a Republican, CNN and MSNBC won't raise hell over this. Therefore, they're okay with actual transphobia. Whoa, whoa, uh, transphobia, transphobia. Excuse me, but Lindsey Graham is not trans. Let's just start right there. Um, so it's been mentioned by conservative sites, Fox News, The Daily uh, Mail, and The Daily Caller, and Richard uh, Grinnell, who also said homophobia and intolerance from the left is growing. This should be widely condemned. Um, Graham's only response was a brief statement from his office saying, very disappointed someone in her position would embrace the style of politics. It says more about her than it does about Senator Graham. But here is why I said, I said that when we talked about this last year. This is the result, right? If we make everyone really comfortable with joking around the the alleged homosexuality of a person. You know, if we let straight people start to be comfortable doing things that maybe in-group community things do, this is sort of where you end up, right? The Republicans are basically concern trolling. Richard Grinnell, who advocated, you know, so, so much for our community from Trump and all this stuff, and certainly didn't hold any accountability 
to uh, conservatives and Republicans who have said terribly homophobic and transphobic things attempt to then turn our own arguments against us to look hypocritical by saying you're not calling this person out for misgendering a person. You know, Jen Psaki's a straight woman, cis woman, using this joke. And so it's not that the joke is bad, it's that it sets it up for this exact situation. Because obviously they don't have any validity, right? But that is the argument we use in other situations. This is what you are doing. So we set ourselves up to be held up for hypocrisy, even if the person making the hypocritical accusation is full of shit. Like right. Right. I get it. I get it. And, and and you know, and I and listen, I I you know I, I joke about it, but I I I did see the point, and it was someone in our community who said you should not misgender Lindsey Graham. That is not appropriate. So I said, okay, I got you. I'm not going to do it anymore. I because I was you know putting a meme up of Lindsey Graham looking like Aunt Pity Pat, you know, the, the, some Photoshop thing, and so I just now call him Sugar Britches, and that's that. I'm done with it. The well, and it because it is because like realistically, right at its base level not that big a deal this isn't that big a, this is a my you know a minor but the nuance of this does sort of speak to other things it's like how comfortable am i with you know one of the like scary sort of straight guys i grew up with making a lady g joke you know because i feel comfortable and we've made it comfortable like i'm like i don't know about that and it's like misgendering people as a joke Wait, you know is it like does it is it making you lesser for being a woman it's not that deep and it shouldn't be that serious but it does set. I just found it interesting that they are getting. Well, you all said we're not allowed to do this, and that's true, even though they're doing it from a place of bad faith. And so, the more we can avoid those traps in the first place, the better. And also, let's remember, I don't care what he's doing, and all of that stuff happened, and then nothing real ever came out. Is the other thing, right. right? You know, whether it's NDAs or whatever theoretical theories we can come up with. There was a big call for anyone who could say anything factually at all for any reason, and there was nothing. So maybe he's just awful. I mean, he is definitely just awful. Uh, and about that, those Southern bachelors have always caused suspicion throughout the years, like some Tennessee. Those and John said, I don't know why someone called him Lady D, but I just thought it was funny. And it is. And look, and also, y'all, I don't ever want to like, I'm not trying to take the fun out of anybody's life. It's not that deep. It's not that serious. But it is worth considering sometimes why people that take something seriously or get upset, what the bigger thing it's connected to. And that's all. What I really want is for him to stop mattering in our culture in any way, for any reason, at any time. But let's be honest. Now, let's really be honest. Did you say... Did this, you say Let's be honest. Let let's be honest. It's it's faux anger from the, from the other side. It's just bullshit. Richard Grinnell, you are not upset. Richard Grinnell, you're just pretending to be upset because, quite frankly, you have no platform anymore. Yeah. Oh, he's climbing. Lord, he's trying. Oh, well, all right. Look at us, y'all. We've done such a wide range of things, and here we are at the halfway point. So it's commercial time. If you enjoy what we do here and you are sitting on a dollar, five, 10, 50, 100, several thousand you want to share with us, we will accept it gratefully. You can send it on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. Thank you to Luanne who just gave. And once again, a huge and heartfelt uh, moment of gratitude to John Hartman, who has definitely been one of the angels of our show uh, since we started back up last March for his considerable contribution. Um, 
Y'all, whatever level, uh, we are incredibly grateful. It's not expected. Those of you that share the broadcast and help us meet new people, that is just as important. But we want to. We always want to take a moment and acknowledge the people who can and do, because they support us doing it, so the rest of you can enjoy it too. And I love, I love uh, John E. I love that his name is John E. Period Hartman, who sends us really lovely, lovely letters with a check. And uh, I mean, I'm just thinking maybe it should just say Johnny Hartman presents the Dell and Emerson show. That's how you get those present credits on Broadway. That so, is right. Siri, from the bottom of our heart, thank you, uh, John Hartman. And thank you, all of you, no matter what it is that yes. you're able to to give or not. If, if you're just here participating and you give us amazing things uh, uh, in the chat room and have a community. We love that you have a community. Someone wrote me, Rob wrote me this week and he said, it's like my family now. I get to come here and just have a little family time. And, and I'm glad during this time where we're so isolated that we are able to do that and that you're able to do it for us as well. And and y'all remember, don't ever give us anything you're gonna miss. Rob no. Don't, don't, we don't want that. Um, and y'all, it gives me an excuse to shower. I shaved places no one but Blake can see today. I'm thinking, oh. about, I'm thinking about bringing the beard back. Uh, you know, well, it's a lot of work to keep up and I'm not seeing anybody, but I might just do it again for y'all here on the show. You know, well, if you, you know, I, you could do a, you know, that year you did Jesus Take the Wheel. Uh, and you've had that kind of Jesus look at Halloween. I mean, you, we got a few more months. I bet you could be there. You could, you could, you look like I, a young Jesus. Well, I am practically back there. I know, but now I've passed Jesus's death. You know, that year you turned 33, this is your Jesus year. Lord. I have not accomplished as much as Jesus at that point. He didn't do all that much. Uh, there were, I know, like, she just wandered around the desert, made a party, a little fun, and then hopped on a cross. Like, he, on. <laughs> he hopped on a cross. You are so awful. Okay, we just lost all the Christians. They are Y'all, I kid. Look, the way I deal with some of the religious damage that happened to me by people, not by the philosophy, That's is right. to make jokes. And I kid. <laughs> and you know what? I have to believe Jesus has a sense of humor or heaven is going to be so effing boring this i can't i can't do any more of the show he hopped on a cross he just went around he said a few things he uh -huh. had a couple of miracles changed the water into wine and then he hopped on a cross i'm just saying when you're telling the story of a man and one of the five stories you feel are really important to tell is that time he was at a party and said you know what we need more wine <laughs> and he seems like he's probably pretty fun well that's he had me he had me at the wine yeah. I, how how great would it to be to have a friend who could turn water into wine? And also, he clearly was good for a first date for homosexuals. He had all that sushi at that Sermon on the Mount because you know when he turned those five loaves and two fishes, he wasn't turning it into cooked fish. It was just sushi all around. <laughs> oh my God! We are all right, awful. I'm gonna get on before I get into more trouble. And just for the record, uh, we make lots of jokes here. I absolutely respect everyone's right to find a faith and a philosophy that helps you, that gets through you through your life. Um, and no, no personal. Don't apologize for what we are. We they know who we are. We, we don't apologize for your un, your politically unchristian jokes. It's fine. It's uh, <laughs> all right. And then in real news. Um, it's Black History Month, and of course, we want to focus here on LGBTQ uh, Black people. And for the first time in these organizations' history, three of the national legacy LGBTQ equality organizations will all be led by Black executive directors. 
Kiara Johnson is at the National LGBTQ Task Force, Alfonso David at the Human Rights Campaign, we've talked about him a bunch, and Imani Rupert Gordon at the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Last week, the National LGBTQ Task Force had a Creating Change conference with all three of them on a panel moderated by David J. Johns of the National Black Justice Coalition. And their points were really good and interesting and something for us as white LGBTQ people to really take in and think about. Rupert Gordon said, we have to remember that we've never been here before. And as black leaders, we're creating solutions we haven't seen before. In order to support black leaders, people need to remember that we are firsts and that it's harder to run an organization as a black person when that hasn't happened before. Because they're not just running the organization, they're also bringing a new point of view and dealing with that. She explained that when white people speak of racial justice, they are often praised. But when black people speak about it, that creates a different reaction. She didn't say it, but you know, often it's seen as difficult or causing a problem or making it about race. David said, in our community, we are harboring bias. I have been an out gay man for a long time and I felt it against me and as an immigrant as well. And it's by the very same folks that label themselves progressives and liberals. We have to really hear that as white, cis, LGBTQ people within our community, we sort of represent what the white cis culture at large represents to us, that we can turn around and do the same thing to people of color, to black people, to trans people. And then Johnson said, now I get to be my own leader and bring what I've learned to my role. My perspective is different and therefore my leadership will be, and that's a new day for all of us. And I'm excited for new days and years ahead for all of new and future black leaders. And I really think it is important for us to hear that and hear the words of like, leaders, that the experience is different, it's exciting, but it's crazy to be able to note that for the first time, all three of them are black, right? Because how many times in history have all three of them been white? You know, it's it's notable until it's not, until not things are common enough that they're not worth commenting on. There is still progress to be made and it's incumbent upon us to be active and engaging in supporting them. Yes. So um, I'm a country music fan, as most of you know, and I do love the Brothers Osborne. And yesterday, uh, the uh, TJ Osborne, the 36-year-old, uh, really, really handsome, the handsome one of the Osbournes, he came out. They're both handsome. And I, I have to say that there he is. He is so handsome. Uh, the four CMA Awards, been nominated for seven Grammys, and he said, this is what he said, I'm very comfortable being gay. I find myself guarded for not wanting to talk about something that I personally don't have a problem with. That feels so strange. He went on the Ellen Show, which a beautiful interview there. He spoke about the conservative nature of country music and of country fans. And he said, I don't think I'm going to get run off stage in Chicago, but in a rural town playing the country fair, I'm curious how this will go. People will ask, why does this even need to be talked about? And personally, I agree with that. But for me to show up at an awards show with a man would be jaw dropping to people. It wouldn't be like, oh, cool. Um, so he joins a, a very small group, actually, of LGBT country artists, including Shelley Wright, who was one of the first uh, Brandy Carlisle, who I am obsessed with, uh, Little Nas X, and of course my friend who's been on our show and who is brilliant, Brandy Clark. Also adding to that, you know, Billy Gilman and Ty Herndon, and then our our other friend who is super songwriter, Shane McAnally, who has taken 
country music by storm with being an out gay songwriter. So it, 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 it's, it's coming around, y'all. Country music is coming around. Osborne said, I've done more than I ever thought I would. At this point, my happiness is more valuable than anything else I have ever been able to achieve. And if you go to his brother, um, uh, Instagram, uh, John, I believe is his name. It is so beautiful, so beautiful, his support for his brother. And Emerson, I thought yesterday, I, I went to the, uh, you know, their Twitter page and I thought, oh, there's going to be a lot of hate. It was just one love letter after another. I, I just kept reading love, 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 love for them. That's great, but it's still disheartening to hear that as an extremely successful, like they are not up and coming, they are hugely successful Ooh. artists, that he is still viscerally, personally nervous about the reaction in smaller towns. I mean, he said that in this interview, you know, it's like that is a really real concern. And I feel like it speaks to two things this week. Do you know, the, did you see the big thing that happened with Morgan Wallen? This week where he said the n-word saturday night getting out of his yes yeah 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 and so but seeing that happen and then the the way in which it sort of took a minute for people to react to that and the people making excuses on his behalf you know and here on the flip side you have osborne over here worried that he won't be accepted and there's so many people who seem like morgan's likely to be able to survive this moment it does still still show the disheartening disconnect that the world that once burned Dixie Chicks records is not as far gone as we would like it to be for many of us who are from that, who love that, who love country music. Yeah, it, that, that was very disappointed because I, 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 disappointing. I, I've, I've really liked Morgan Wallen's music and and I, I actually tweeted. Now, there's no apology on his page on Twitter, not one. It should be pinned there. But his apology was, oh, I'm, you know, there, there was something I shouldn't have done. But here's where what, what, what gets me about anybody who it's that you're capable. You are capable of doing that. You are capable thinking no cameras are watching of saying that word in such a vile, disgusting way. So, and also that this is his second chance this year. Yeah, you know, he's the one who had the big like, oh, I went out to a giant party on while my girlfriend was at home pregnant and couldn't go be on SNL and then still got to go be on SNL again anyway. You know, it's like the way in which some people get lots and lots of chances. And then we have this like new ad country star worried about this taking because I can't imagine what TJ feels, you know, about what this could do to him and his brother. It's like they're both on this journey together. And it's it's frustrating that we it still has to be inspiring. Right. Like we want to get to the point where it doesn't where it's just another factoid. Doesn't matter, but I have a little leak for us that I got permission. Uh, Leslie Jordan's working on a project. I can't say what it is because it hasn't been released uh, publicly, but TJ is working with him right now. So that's exciting. <clears throat> well, and as a newly out homosexual, getting to go straight to working with the, one of the queens of the kingdom, so to speak. There you go. I mean, good for him. Um, all right, another uh, celebratory news. Um, Trixie Mattel is one of the most successful queens to come out of the world of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, she, didn't, or she was middling on her original season, but then she went on to win All-Stars. And outside of RuPaul's Drag Race, she's released several extremely successful music albums. She has a whole makeup line. She does sold out tours. She did a documentary that I went and saw the Outfest premiere of. I mean, she's definitely by far one of the most successful queens. Uh, a huge online show with Katya as well. And she has just become the co-owner 
of a Milwaukee, Wisconsin gay bar called This Is It. It's the oldest store in a gay bar in Wisconsin and one of the oldest in the US. She said, a lot of drag queens made This Is It our happy hour moment before we would put on the wig and go do the drag show. My relationship is such that sometimes I will come from the airport to the bar with my bags. It really is like cheers in Milwaukee. And she talked about the importance of queer spaces, saying in 2020, it's been thrown in our faces that queer spaces can disappear like that. And it really makes you think this is a really valuable service they are providing, not just to the community, but to humanity. People need this, they really do. Our new business partner is the bar co-owner, George Snyder, who's obviously excited about what her brand brings to it. And he said, Trixie has roots here in Wisconsin and made good on all of her talent and ability and still recognized the value, not just of her, her hometown, but the places she holds close that are also near and dear to their hearts. I love that. Well, and it's so impressive because like, it's probably a day of, of a, a, not an amazing investment right now, right? As we continue to hear week after week, story after story of like long running uh, gay bars and LGBTQ bars and queer spaces shutting down, that it's an investment in ensuring that the community she came from still has that place. What an amazing way to give back to the community yeah. that's created your success. Yes, absolutely. And then in just a really quick story, uh, uh, Julie Cordell Simmons of Eagle Mountain, Utah, had her rainbow flag stolen uh, several times last fall. And she recently found an anonymous note along with a replacement of the her pride flag that said, I'm sorry for taking your flag last fall. It did not sit right with me. So I'm making it up to you guys for my actions. Have a good 2021. She said she's assuming that uh, it was a trick-or-treater. It looked like a kid from what I could tell, but I was so impressed to have an adult do that. But I was so impressed to have an adult do that, let alone a kid, you know, admit that they were wrong and try to make up for it. I seriously started tearing up in this day and age. We just don't see that a lot. So it meant a lot to me. It warmed my heart. It warms my heart too. I'm, my heart is all warm. I know, I loved it. And a part of my, like, I think some of my sadness personally right now is this feeling of like, separate from like bigots, racist, fascists, right? But like other people across the culture divide right now is the willingness to presume the worst of a person you don't know, to see the worst, the worst interpretation of something someone says, and to see somebody do something really terrible that hurt her, and then of their own accord, come back later to apologize anonymously and still let it not be known you know, to make up for that, I think, see, people are savable. There are people that we think might not, we might not be able to recover that we can. And some of it's in how we continue to do what we do and say what we say and how we are visible. And it just warmed my heart. So you think you hope for Morgan Wiley? I just don't care there. That's on him and his friends. It really is. That conversation really is about what I care is when because uh, I'm just not one on like giant, like, I, yeah, I just can't invest in that. But what I care is what it represents about how other people aren't given the same opportunities, aren't mm -hmm. given chances. People who can't even get to that level because they're held back and you're there and get to mess up and mess up and mess up. That's, yeah. That's that one. And then another nonsense news, because, you know, we got to do it. Uh, Lord, the bigots are mad at American Girl Doll. Yeah, y'all. American Girl doll is serious. It is not casual. People take these dolls very seriously, and yeah. the brand does too. They created a backstory for their 2021 Girl of the Year doll, Meet Kira Bailey in the center. 
10 years old and has visited her two married aunts in Australia. <gasps> the same sex couple also owns a wildlife sanctuary. Now that feels very authentically lesbian. Do we have any lesbians here who feels like that's a very good backstory for the Australian <laughs> lesbian aunts? Because I do. The book Kira Down Under that accompanies Kira for doll collectors explains that once she visits her aunts who were married after the law was changed to allow it, referring to the 2017 legalized marriage in, a, in Australia. The, the aunts, Auntie Mamie and Auntie Lynette, are also featured in the first episode of Kira Bailey's Australian Adventure, stop motion episode on YouTube. Well, people are mad at the book reviews saying homosexuality is an inappropriate topic for a children's book. And I'm very disappointed that it was woven so blatantly into the storyline for Kira. The storyline is inappropriate and far too mature for young readers. You know, having ants. You just can't have ants until you're a little older. Not the first time they've had scandals. In 2015, a girl with two dads was featured in American Girl magazine prompting a boycott. That wasn't a doll. That was a real girl with her real two dads. And people were mad. It's like, uh, I'm surprised that the 103,000 uh, who call themselves a million dollar moms haven't gone after this one. That hundred thousand moms and mo and clearly a lot of dads uh, in that group. I'm sure that they will get a hold of this. I would imagine there's some overlap between, you know, the groups here. We'll hear about it soon. But I, I was, um, I don't think uh, she had existed when my girl Kira down under had existed. My kids were obsessed with American uh, with those American girl dolls and yeah. they had and they're expensive, Emerson. It's like you have to take out a loan. I know. And I, am. I am. Well, that's they make those books. They put up those backs. Also, I would love, and I'm sure they do, but I'm bothered to look for it. Interviews with people who write the doll backstories. What a great job! Can you imagine, Kira? Well, who is Kira? It's literally the way you and I write creating characters. Like, let's talk about Kira. You know, she's Australian. What does that mean? What kind of family does she come from? Is she a, a Sydney in-town girl? Is she out the outback, you know, at the steakhouse? And the, oh, outback. Let's go with outback. So maybe she, oh, her mother has a lesbian sister that runs an animal wildlife preserve. And she goes visits. Uh, You're wearing cargo short vests and things. It just fits. All right, we got a TikTok story. Something I can't get into is TikTok. I just I I, I watch it all the time because my kids and my ex-wife Kelly send me TikToks nonstop. But uh, there's an account called uh, at closeted underscore frat guy, and it appeared uh, last year, and it has grown to sixty-one thousand followers. He's a college soccer player, and he just revealed himself as a University of Tampa junior, Josh Leifer. He told Outsports he started the account to cope with his orientation, posting anyone else like totally straight but secretly gay. He no longer feels the need to hide and has encouraged other closeted men to do the same. He Here's his quote. He said, I was just letting people know they're not alone, even if I'm not telling people who I don't personally no, just saying those words out loud that I'm gay and I'm struggling makes you feel better. The weight lifts off of your shoulders. He was looking for a connection and a lot of closeted guys found him, uh, but he was also concerned how his father's going to take the news as many of us uh, go through. And he told them that he didn't speak to him for several days. That's not too bad, several days. 
He said, but we're good now. And he says, I'm still Josh. I'm still in a fraternity. I still play sports. It took me a little bit to realize that even though I'm gay, I can still be everything I was before. That's what I'm trying to show people. I know other guys are going through the same uh, fears that I went through. They're scared of the same thing. If I can show them that I have a successful story, then why can't they have one too? So he was inspired by himself in a way and has inspired others. I, lo I love it. But it was interesting, though, too, to, to think about, you know, the progress, every generation, right, happens. It was different when you were coming out, when I was coming out. But and even now to look at him still butting up against either social expectations of how you're supposed to be gay or how you're supposed to be a man, like that those those identities, those expectations still exist because here is a full TikTok generation, access to all kinds of people on the Internet. And he was actually worried about being gay the right way or would it change who he was which feeds into that sort of traditional masculinity thing right it's like well who you are is sports and those things yeah being, doesn't change any of that but also the flip of that don't see those things as negative you know because the, the other part of this is like not wanting people to assume that because you're gay you're flamboyant or a queen and or you know a musical theater gay i don't know why i'm just doing my dating profile right now um, but be, I, I also encourage people in his category to ensure that they aren't reinforcing negative perceptions of certain stereotypes by not wanting to be associated with them. Does that make sense? You know, yeah, it's like, it oh, but I'm not sense. that kind of gay. I'm a sport gay. I'm a frat gay. That's who you are. Be that who you are. But if people assume you're other things, don't look down on those things just because the cultural expectation is that men shouldn't behave that way. Does that right. make sense? You know? There's all kinds of us. It's like, you know, I was even today when we I was plugging the show on Instagram and I said, straight talk, real gay. And I said, you know, but not all gays talk like that. We don't all go high like that. It's a, you, you, you know, we, we have these images. And I think that there's such toxic masculinity in both the sports community and in fraternities. And so I think that, you know, as he said, there was fear. There was yeah. fear. And yeah. And, um, and also, you know, and we all continue to examine those things uh, as we grow and uh, hopefully his journey will allow him to be whatever version of him is the most authentic and be comfortable with that, identifying all of the different facets of his persona. And great that he doesn't have to be the closeted frat guy anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, a, in a fun update, we talked about Jojo Siwa, who we may have introduced to some of you uh, for the first time, but her uh, journey... Uh, out continues as on Jimmy Fallon this week, she revealed she is in a relationship and that she was encouraged to come out by the most amazing, wonderful, perfect, most beautiful girlfriend in the whole world. She didn't say who it was, but they talked together about her coming out. After her Born This Way TikTok, she says, we were both like, technically I still haven't confirmed it. And so I was like, I kind of just want to post this picture on my real story. And she was super encouraging. She was like, do it. And I was like, all right. And I did it. Uh, she was already out to very supportive friends and family, and she wasn't worried about a public backlash. Going back to Josh and the other story, you know, there is progress. She said, I was like, well, technically that was a really big risk that I took posting that. But if I lost everything I created because of being myself and because of loving who I want to love, I don't want it. That's not what I want if I can't love who I want to love. That's one of the most important things to me. She couldn't contain her happiness, and she revealed she's working with Nickelodeon on a musical called the J team that focuses on her life and the idea of staying true to herself. So it's her. like her. she's going to be just fine. 
Uh, but I love that. And I love her revealing the pieces as she wants and ready. But I do love seeing that for her, it's almost entirely a joy-filled experience. And that that's, is that's the word. I, I said, she's just so full of joy. Like it's contagious when you see her and watch her. So in our final story, uh, The Walking Dead spinoff, The Walking Dead, The World Beyond features a queer couple, security guard Felix Carlucci, played by Nico Tor Torelli, and his boyfriend, Will Campbell, played by Jolini uh, Aladdin. Aladdin? Uh, homophobes complained, of course, and The Walking Dead's Twitter account. I love this so much. They clap back saying, hi, hello. If LGBTQ um, Twitter, if LGBTQ characters on television or anywhere make you uncomfortable or angry, please unfollow us. While we also encourage you to look within and be more accepting, know that there is no place in our fandom for hateful discrimination or willful, willful ignorance. Thank you. I just love it. My it's like we, are, we don't we don't have time for your bullshit. And y'all, when brands, when when <laughs> networks, when TV shows, you know, Netflix is all the time. The, the social media directors over there that are clearly from our community do great with it. We the progress is clear, despite how much further we have to go on specific things and specific issues. So we're running a marathon and we are winning battles. Um, I did want to show. Let, speaking of reinforcing stereotypes, I'm going to do that for a second. Because I love this picture of JT and John Osborne, TJ and John Osborne. Because if you were going to guess which one was the homosexual, you would be correct. Yes. <laughs> I kid. There are plenty. I have seen them at the Southern Bars and the Bear Bars. There are plenty of people from our community that look like John as well. Um, but we can certainly have fun with those things as long as we don't use them to make assumptions about each other. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, real quick, uh, Emerson, I since you didn't do it, I want to. I bought my ticket today for Blake's show. I'm so excited! It's on the 13th of February. 50 yeah. years of Carol King. He's doing the entire Tapestry album, which is so exciting. So go to Blake MacGyver's Instagram and you can get your ticket. He is, y'all. He's just going to do the entire Tapestry album, start to finish, in order here in our house because he loves it. It's the 50th anniversary. So, and I'll he'll come on the show next week and sing a preview, and I'll put up the link. The tickets are free. You just have to register. That's it. You can tip him during the show if you want to, but it's just a free, fun hangout concert. Speaking of tipping, if you want to send us a tip, you can do that on Venmo to at Emerson Collins. It's in the ticker below or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. And thank you to Erica who did that. Oh, look at us. We got like a minute, two minutes. Do you have fun weekend plans, Dale? What's uh, everyone doing this weekend? You know, I always, uh, it's always the drag race for me on Fridays. I'm going to, yes. um, I was on Whole30, so I can drink, y'all. I can drink now, and I'm so excited. So uh, Matt Hayes and I spend Friday. I have two people in in my, my bubble. Is that what it's called, Emerson, the bubble? It's Matt and Rebecca. So I see Matt on Fridays and Rebecca, on Rebecca, my daughter, on Saturdays. And Rebecca well, and I just finished Sex in the City. And Justin's in our bubble coming over for Drag Race tonight. Matt says, I was going to ask a Jewish friend to borrow his face laser for the weekend, but I'll probably be too busy drinking the blood of children and harassing victims of school massacres. You're good for you, Marjorie Taylor Queen. Matt, Matt were you just going to, uh, you you going to burn down a forest or two with that laser? Is that with what that you're that laser, little, you know, that's dangerous. 
Um, yeah. And I will say, because we didn't get into all of the the thing, Danielle said, I'm going to eat a sloppy joe. Honey, simple joys. Oh uh, save me some, Danielle. I'm going to run over. I know where you live. You I'm going to see Beverly back in circulation. Xana, uh, Todd, out in LA, you know, now that we, they were comfortable having like two households gathered together, lots of LA people, it's like if they're one person by themselves, they have another person or a couple that are like in a group where they are accountable to each other for their engagement in the wider world. Oh, an important question. Will you be now cooking on that Easy Bake Oven? You know what, Rob? Maybe Rebecca and I can make a little cake tomorrow in the Easy Bake that Rob sent me. It's it's sitting on my uh, on my table, on my kitchen table. It's the greatest centerpiece. I mean, you gotta get to work. You told people there would be con Easy I Bake content. I will, I will, I will make it and I'll, I'll film a little bit so y'all see if it, it you know, it, it'll take four hours to bake a cake with a light bulb. All right, y'all. We'll hold him accountable, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye, y'all.